When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. It's the Fight Fan with Pete Hoffman time. Y'all must have forgot why we the best. People say the punches weren't really necessary. What do you mean why were they not necessary? Because he was already knocked out at that point. But it, the referee hadn't pulled me off. And my job is to hit somebody till the referee pulls me off. So to those people, I would say, maybe don't watch him and they go back to soccer. You know, I made history here tonight. I stand on a record. It's my name in history one more time. WFAN and Odyssey.com. You guys caught me under under a bad bad time, but you know what I'm saying? The rock's cool. I like ballers. I like ballers. You know what I'm saying? But he picked the wrong side. He picked another side so he could get it too. He could get his ass whipped too. Straight up. With all due respect, he could get it too. I definitely want to defend my 145 about. And like, see, I'm going to talk to Dana. Dana, tomorrow I'm going to call you. We're going to have a talk. I love you, boy. Here's your Fight Fan host, Pete Hoffman. This is the Fight Fan with your host, Pete Hoffman. Follow me at the Hoff WFAN, at the Fight Fan WFAN, and all of the social media at the Fight Fan, Pete Hoffman, WFAN.com, and the Odyssey app. Doing some all different here. It is the Eve of September 11th, and I've been out for a few days, uh, so I've just been kind of taking everything in, everything that I've been uh, seeing, specials, anniversary stuff that's been taking place, I just watched the Mets-Yankee game, which we'll get into, which I never do as the reactions, but I'm going to get into it, because I watched the game, um, and we're going to have a guest on, as always, I do, this is a fight fan, so I always have, bring it back to fighting. Um, Julian Arosa is going to join me in a little bit. Great interview. Check it out. He's a vet of the UFC. He's been in some crazy uh, Ultimate Fighter series, the one with uh, Conor McGregor and Uriah Faber. He then ended up on uh, Dana White's Contender Series and then now has fought multiple, multiple times over the past few years in the UFC. And just had a huge victory last week, uh, which was awesome to see. Uh, took a short notice, 10-day fight, and got the victory. Um, so check that interview. That'll be in a little bit. Also, this weekend in Fight World isn't really that amazing anyway. You had what was supposed to be Oscar De La Hoya versus Peter Belfort. Everyone knows Oscar De La Hoya got COVID. 
And now he's sitting out, and Evander Holyfield, the 56-year-old Evander Holyfield, stepping in to fight Vitor Belfour, former MMA uh, UFC fighter. Um, it's just not what I'm interested in. I feel bad for Holyfield. I hope he's okay. I hope he survives mentally, physically, financially. I mean, there's got to be a payday there, too, because it just this is not a good look for him. Um, I don't care what we talk about in the past as far as fighters going from MMA to boxing, uh, you know, have a disadvantage. In this case, you know, age is a major disadvantage, and that's on Holyfield's side. You know, Belfour is a legitimate striker. He's knocked out plenty of opponents. He's gotten to battles. I know he's not young either, and he's not a boxer, but this is not what I'd be looking to see. And also, you also have you also have Anderson Silva versus Tito Ortiz, uh, which is actually interesting. Not that Tito Ortiz is there, but again, it's a second boxing match for Anderson Silva. Let's see what he does. Um, so that's this weekend. If you guys are into that, <sighs> but let's just you know what I really want to talk about is you know it's the 20th anniversary of 9/11. I listened to uh, we had today on Musha Maggie. We had Mark Messier on. We had Bobby Valentine on. You just listen to their stories. The It's amazing how 20 years ago, one of the most horrific, horrific, tragic moments in our country's history, no questions asked, but in the world, um, something so horrific, so impactful, it feels like, as I see images again, and the tributes again, and all these other documentaries again, it feels like it just was yesterday. It's crazy. I know exactly where I was. I know exactly what I was doing. I woke up both um, towers. I think the second tower just had gotten struck um, as I was finding out information. Uh, you see, you're watching on TV. You're just locked in. And... Seeing the tad, the first, the first tower that fell. Um, just thinking about everyone that's in there. Just the, the tragedy, the, the tragic lives that were lost, cut short, families that were destroyed. It's one of the again most horrific times of all. Impacts so many people, and um. Just watching all this stuff, you know, you just remember the volunteers that, that risked their life to go save lives. That, you know, spent months trying for, you know, to find remains. To try to help rebuild the city. The people that, you know, whether you're... Just an average Joe, next-door neighbor, athlete. Doesn't make a difference. There were so many people involved. It was, it was incredible um, to see how people united after that. Um, and, yeah, just I still remember that day, you know, going to Palmer Road, not too far away from where my house is, and being on. At this point in time, there was a, a hill that was 
open. They were just starting to build some property and build some houses over there. So we were able to, I remember everyone was kind of just like would drive by and then stop their car because there was a direct outlet to the city, which is 15, you know, 15 minutes away from, from Yonkers. And you just saw the aftermath in the air. You saw the smoke, which hung around for days. I mean, I remember going back to school the next day. I was the next day or two days later or whatever it was. And still, you know, in 20 minutes away, uh, I drove up to Purchase uh, to Manhattanville and still saw the smoke in the air. And just, it was just, it just hung around and it was just an unforgettable scene, unforgettable sight. Um, the chaos that that so many people that thankfully did get out and were okay you know um the stories that we had were nothing as nothing tragic at all i mean i we just couldn't you know my my father was down in the city we just want to make sure he got home safe but you know did know everyone was so panicky everyone was so um so nervous about what the next thing that was going to happen. My brothers just started high school, first freshman year of high school. They let him out of school, and he just was let out and didn't even know. You know, one of the first days back at school, and or not first days in high school, taking a bus or train or whatever it was home, and we just had no idea where he was because he didn't even have cell phones back then. Had no idea what was going on. It just panic, chaos. It was. Especially cell phones, as far as a kid goes, wouldn't expect them to have that. So it just it was just chaos, and you just remember, um, you'll never forget. I know they say it, you know, never forget, but we will never forget. It's just one of those things that you know where you were at that moment. You know where you were the first time you you were told or saw or, or turned the TV on, whatever it was. You know where you were, and it just, again, my heart goes out to everybody that's been affected and still is affected by this because 20 years later, um, there's still not closure for some people, I don't believe, and families were, were ruined, lives were lost, great people were lost, heroes were lost. And it's just one of those moments in life that will, will just, you can't forget. And it's, think about 20 years, what has happened in 20 years? What have we done in 20 years? What have you done in 20 years? What have, what have we, how have we made changes for the better? You know, have, have we made changes for the better? There's so much good that does come out of the world. There's so much negativity as well. That's why I always say I'm like, I look at people and I see all the hate that that is spewed on a daily basis on social media. I see all the hate that's spewed throughout, you know, news and TV and whatever. Listen, sometimes we, we rag on people and, and, and the sports world for playing awful, but I don't hate anybody. I don't sit there and, and hate anybody that we're talking about, you know? 
Like, there's a big difference between, you know, hating somebody and being like, your performance wasn't good. We need to see a better job. Now, this is this is not real. Like, sports isn't real. You know, real life is is is, <laughs> is what was left after 9-11. Real life was something that we had to... How do we build the city back up? How to build, you know, the country back up? How to get back to, to normal life? There is no new normal. It's like the pandemic. There's no... It's a new normal. There's no normal. It's just a new normal now. You know, you have to try to get back to some sort of semblance and some sort of, you know, normalcy. But it's not. It's not. The, it's not normal. It's not. It just. It just can't be. And there's always something in the back of your head. There's always that cautious, caution, cautious feeling. Of what's next. And yeah. You know it's just. It's one of those things where like you know sports takes you away. It gives you some sort of. You know gets to clear your mind. Gets you. Gets to take you away from the real world. You know. And I guess that's why I like combat sports. Like I'm a big combat sports guy. I talk about it all the time. And, I, and the reason I guess why I like it is because. It gets me. You know, into that competitive nature, there's a toughness behind it. There's a chess match behind it, even though it's sometimes too violent for some people. That's fine. But there's that, you know, that warrior aspect. But at the end of the day, you can still shake each other's hand and be respectful. And say, you know, it was a pleasure to share this cage with you or this ring with you you know look at all these athletes after the day they hang you know they give each other hugs they they shake each other's hands they're supportive they usually for the most part most of them give each other credit for the performance that they put out you know you get a couple outliers that are still that's gonna be life you're gonna get outliers but for the most part you get good people and that's what we have to remember, you know. That is what you take away from a 20th anniversary of 9-11. Is that there are so many good people out there. In that if you're struggling in any sort of way, remember there are a lot of amazing people out there that have gone through the same stuff that you have. You know, you're not alone. And we all have been hit differently but there are still people here for you to help you because a day like today a day like 9-11 it still stings and it still hits people and still hurts people and still affects people and still you see the the emotions on people's faces and it's still there it's still lingering and that's why, um, you know, I, I keep on saying, you know, there's so much good in the world that we just have to do a better job, though, of bringing and highlighting that. Because there's also a lot of bad in this world, too. We all know that. We all see what goes on. You know, I'm not pointing fingers right now, but we all see what's going on. And it's it's time that we 
you know, try to settle our differences in a positive way and unite and come together because there's other people out there who really don't like us, don't like you, don't like me, and they are jealous and they will take things to a different degree. It's not a keyboard warrior that someone's going to call up and curse on the phone. They do different things because it's a different, you know, life is different for everybody. But just be nicer today. You know, if you listen to this today, 9 11, if you do listen to this, just be nice to everybody. Just try to have a good day. Try to relax. Try to, you know, be a little somber. Remember what, you know, remember where you were. And just be nicer to people. And then maybe the next day, just keep that up. You know? Um, again, you listen to the fight fan with Pete Hoffman, but it just, I, I feel like I had to talk about this a little bit because, you know, first of all, I've been, been home for days. So now I've just been, it's been on, my, been on my mind, but I feel like I had to, to mention it, say something because it's, it's, it's impossible not to. I feel like I was on the air a couple of times not too long ago, and I just kind of brushed over it because it's such a touchy subject, and you don't want to put other people in situations where they feel like they have to say something. So, um, yeah, that, that's just I gave my two cents on it, and whether it was appreciative, if it made you feel better, good. If it made you feel nothing, you know, it's okay. Go, go. You know, hopefully you can find somebody else that will help you if you are feeling anything during this time um, to help you out because that's what it's about. It's about helping others. It really is. you got to help yourself, but you also have to help. You know, people are there to help you too at times and don't be afraid. Um, and now I'm going to do an instant reaction on the Mets and the Yankees. Yes, I know that there's no easy way to transition from, from that, but um, I could do the rest of the podcast on it, but that's, you know, you're going to get better content, better thoughts, better opinions from other people on that. I just wanted to, I, I felt like I needed to, to say something. Mets Yankees. Um, well, the Mets are 71 and 71, so they're back to 500 again. Congratulations. But you talk about two teams that are just so lackluster. And it's incredible how you have a Yankee team that is actually looking worse than a, a Mets team right now. It's incredible. And they're, you know, the Yankees have a better record. They, you know, it's, it's a tougher division. I, I know, I, I know that the bullpens are both depleted on both sides, but this is just disgusting now. You're talking about, um, some disgusting defense by Gary Sanchez, Glaber Torres consistently again. Uh, the pitching, you know, Montgomery barely can get through. Um, you know, the, whatever inning he, he got taken out and it was just a bad out by Jordan Montgomery. I mean, Lindor's hitting a home run, which is good for him. And, you know, you, you're, you're listening to a, a Mets fan, but I'm not taking anything out of this, this game. I'm taking the Mets finally took a, a, a part of team that's been struggling and they took advantage of it. I mean, it only took them, you know, uh, how many games did they play against the Nationals and the Marlins in a row? It took them how many games to get there? And they barely could look good against the Nationals and the Marlins. And they look great against a Yankee team that's been struggling. Struggling. So it's like, I'm not going to pat myself on the back on that one if I'm the Mets. I just can't. 
You know, it's it's like it's about time, but still, the, the Yankees are just, they're, they're grasping at straws right now. They have no idea what's going on. They have no idea which way is up. Um, every, everyone is just failing left and right on this Yankee squad. And again, it comes it starts with the Toronto series. Like you, or sorry, it starts with the Baltimore series. You can't lose two or three to Baltimore, but then Toronto getting swept, coming to City Field versus a team who's been playing awful baseball. And put on a performance the way you do, Gary Sanchez. I don't know what he was doing with that slide. I don't I, with the, with the tag. It just looked lazy. It looked confu- he looked confused, and that's where they're at right now. You just look seeing a lot of confused New York Yankees, and a lot of confused fans, and they're fed up, and they're rightfully so, because this team was, and I still think is better than this. And still has, I know some people are like, oh, you said they were gonna make the you were gonna make they're gonna win the division. Yeah, well they were close to. They could have. Not saying close to, but they could have. They were on fire. They were looking fantastic. And they just totally someone burst their balloon. And they they deflated. And they looked like crap. They look like complete crap. And Boone can't can't get a pulse. I know I joked about it in the eighth inning, but you, you know, seriously, why are you throwing out Albert Abreu at that point in time? Anyway, you're down ten two. Your bullpen is awful right now. Your pitcher, your starting pitchers can't go too deep. Your bullpen is awful. Albert Abreu is going to see time either tomorrow and or Sunday. Why are you wasting him in a ten two game where your defense, your your offense is not going to listen? I know Edwin Diaz gave a home run to to Anthony Rizzo, but the way that the Yankees are playing, you know they're not coming back. They just the life the bats are lifeless. They're just lifeless right now. So how, why waste them to throw anybody else out there? I know someone said Andrew Heaney, but even that, like throw a position player out there. You know, take the L. You know, become a laughing stock, and maybe your players will take it a little bit more serious. Because what there's. Not many games left. What the Mets are 71 71. That's uh so that's twenty games left for them. Where are the Yankees at? They got seventeen games left? 17, 18 games left? There's not a lot of ways to go here. They gotta start getting on a roll. The season is done. And that's unacceptable for Yankee fans. You know, you wanna say uh, I know I had conversations with people about you know Rizzo and and Gallo and you know being traded for last minute so that they could you know oh just win the division which you know they did catch fire for a little bit after that um, and oh well that's what they try to do that's what you know that's what uh, Cashman does to save his job is to win the division okay and that's what you want to do so you can win the division so it's a night you know make it to the playoffs how about that they might not make the playoffs that. Is something that Yankee fans can't comprehend. They don't understand that feeling. I know they did miss the playoffs um, a few years ago for the first time in a quite some time, but this is not their reality. This is that that was that was a team that they sold off, and you know happened to look good and still finished. What is it? Did they finish five hundred? 
I know they finished over. They, they finished over 500. I know they haven't had a losing season in 28 seasons. So, um, but this is how do you justify this to your fans? If you miss the playoffs after, you know, having that 13 game winning streak, lifeless against the New York Met team who couldn't hit the way out of a paper bag in Miami, who Jesus Lazardo who had an ERA of seven coming into yesterday's game, gave up two runs. The Mets hit two, got two runs off of him. Two freaking runs, two hits. And then all of a sudden the bats come alive in City Field. I don't know, maybe they felt the energy. Maybe they were feeling something. Maybe they, I don't really know who, which former players were were speaking to them. Maybe, maybe, that, maybe that's what happened. Maybe the aura of, you know, What's going on with 9-11, the 20th anniversary? Maybe something special is coming their way. But, I mean, I, I knew it from the get-go. I said, one of these two teams is going to... Their season's hanging on, on the Subway Series. I can't believe it's at, hanging on the Subway Series, but that's what it is. You know? Someone's going to get knocked out because of this. And it looks like it could be the Yankees. This could be the death, the, the final blow. And that's that's crazy. Because the Mets were so close to being, you know, dead to rights as well. I still don't trust this team. I, I still don't trust the Mets. I think there's, there's so many flaws, so many holes. I mean, you saw, um, what was it, Michael King throwing a ball and hitting Pilar. And you got Conforto and some other people staring him down. Like, dude, the guy had zero control. Catcher sets up out down away. And he hits Pilar in the shoulder. Down and away, he hits the guy in the shoulder. He was three feet off where his position, where he was supposed to throw the ball. Guy has no idea where the ball's going. Don't don't stare down freaking Michael King. Guy's lost. Like everybody else on this Yankees squad. I mean, they have no one else to pitch. Luis Hill was supposed to be their savior. Where's Luis Hill? Where's, where's Luis Hill? Well, Luis Hill came and they, they walked seven guys. That's where Luis Hill was. You know, you wonder why he hadn't been up for a while. That's why. That was the concern. And then you have, you I mean you have so many concerns on every which level, and you have nowhere to turn. There's no saving grace. The one guy you had was a little wise ago. If you're Yankee fan, the one guy you had was a little wise ago. He ain't there no more. And you're lost. You gotta hope that Cole can bounce back soon. You got Kluber going on the mound. I pray that he can give you some sort of, you know, distance in this game. Maybe he can give you five, six innings. I mean, five is crazy to even say, like, hey, that's distance, but that's at least half the game. I cannot believe the Yankees look this bad. But I I don't take, I wouldn't, if I'm a Mets fan, like, I mean, what, bragging rights? I mean, how about... Make it to the playoffs. How about, how about win a series? How about, you know, look like a good team? I mean, they're just as bad. I, there's zero chemistry on this Mets team right now. I look around at that team, that squad, it's it's not a unit. I don't think these guys like each other. I don't think that these guys, um, you know, first of all, they're not being led well. 
Luis Rojas, I mean, clear as day, does not know what he's doing. Um, or at least, even if he does know what he wants to do, can't do it because he's being told otherwise. And he's just not the best face for the team. He might be a really great baseball person, but he's not a good face for the team. Because he doesn't even know how to smooth it away. Like Aaron Boone, you know, can show life here and there, can have some jokes here and there. If it's bad, he could still, you know, give you a little bit of something. Luis Rojas has been the same dull person this entire season. And last season too. And it's not getting any better. And I loved how Evan pressed him and still got nowhere and he defended his actions and couldn't even you know couldn't even admit the fact that there were other options out there. And like take an L be like, dude, you're right. Like there was no reason to you know even again, if you have someone basically preface to you, we all know that Edwin Diaz sucks. But take that away. You guys believe different. You're going to put Edwin Diaz in because you believe that that's the guy. Okay. Fine. There's a guy on second base. The best hitter on the team is up. Tearing the cover off the ball. Can you just put him on first base? Does that make any sense? And for Luis Rojas to sit there and to defend the reason why they didn't do it over and over and over. And the reason why they thought it was a good matchup for Diaz and they trusted this guy. I mean, there's only so much bullshit you could shit you could throw at me. There's only so much bullshit you could throw at me. I mean, it just it's it's embarrassing. And it's it's embarrassing. This whole team's been embarrassing to watch for a long time, but they're just the, the leadership is terrible. And listen, I'm not going to sit there and take on um you know, low-hanging fruit. Luis Rojas, you're gone. It's over. You know, this is like the Adam Gase territory. You hit a point where you're not coming back, and it's okay. You know, what what's there to, what's there to beat you up about? You're not coming back, so it's okay. Um, and there's a lot of low-hanging fruit on this Mets team. Um, I mean, as far as the players go, that's that's debatable. But as far as the management goes, like Sandy Olsen is going to be gone. Um. I don't think there's any way that you can keep him around. I know that they said, oh, well, Sandy never wanted to be, you know, never wanted this type of role when he came with the Mets. And I do understand and agree that. And he got put in some bad situations just because of Jared Porter and now Zach Scott and all this other stuff. I I understand that. He didn't want it, but he was put in it. And he does what he does best. And he did come with a purpose, which was to help Steve Cohen get this team so that, you know, Instacart and get your family sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian.
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. The other 30, 29 owners didn't, you know, think that they were going to get rolled right away. I always say this. It's a conspiracy that I've always had. That being said, times are going to change. Heads are going to roll. In a not real sense of it, but just people are going to be seeing the door. You know? Sandy Olson is going to be gone and I know that people like well Theo Epstein is he really going to be the guy that's got to be the guy I don't know who else is going to come in I don't want Sandy Olison to be the president to be the guy that's hanging around and hiring somebody else and then you know hopefully they could do the right thing and it's not to knock Sandy Olison but it's kind of just like it's a young man's game you gotta get younger you gotta you gotta get, get more in touch and he's just not and you and Steve Cohen also, you know, there are so many issues, whether it's chemistry, whether it's management, whether it's whatever, it's time to just start new and just clean house. And and, and that, that's, that's terrible to say. I don't want people to lose their jobs. But if I'm running an organization and it just seems like, sloppy and things seem getting worse then you have to start looking internally to see where you can clean it up and he's going to do that I, I have full confidence that he's going to do that and I really hope wish the best for anybody that does lose a job that they find you know a, another career somewhere else but I'm a Mets fan and I want to see succeed I want them to see them succeed I want to see them win and I I want to see an organization that not every week is another chaotic mess. And you could say, well, that's just the best is how they that's just how it is. No, it's not. No, it's not just how it is. That's because the organization is run like shit and has been run like shit for decades. Because um, they let the the you know the circus out. You know, with the will ponds, they just let them do people do what they wanted to do. They didn't know how to freaking run a business, run an industry, which is why they got into Ponzi schemes by accident, which is why they got duped in so many other things. They didn't read people well, which is why they brought in freaking Brody Van Wagenen. All right? Think about all these bad, bad decisions to Will Ponzi. And it's not a pick on Will Ponzi Day either because they're gone. But the point is, it's this, the, the, there's still a little linger, a little stench of the Will Ponds, and that just got to go. And, and I do trust that Steve Cohen We'll figure it out and we'll move on from it because it has to change. We got to change. 
And I need some sort of competence. I need some sort of competent leadership to make sure that this type of stuff doesn't get out. I mean, think about this. Out of all the years the Yankees have been around, out of all the things that have been going on, when was the last time you saw the players versus the fans? Even now, the fans are getting on the players. Where do you hear any of the players complain about the booing? Where do you hear any of the players being like, yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm just, it's tough. It's tough to hear the boos. Yeah, they might say it's tough to hear the boos, but they're not blaming it on the fans like, don't do it. Now they get it. They get it. Their, their expectations are put at a high level. And when you don't perform, yeah, if someone wants to boo you, fine, whatever. But don't boo the fans. So the fact that you brought in people here that were the players here that were even, you know, capable of, you know, whether you want to have an inside thing, it's different. But the fact that you even spilt the beans and threw it out there, what are you guys dumb? Like, come on. And again, this is what I'm saying. Like, I'm not, this is not supposed to be a hateful message. This is not supposed to be something like, I can't stand these people. They're, they're awful human beings. No, just come on. Like, understand the situation. Understand where it's at. I'm paying my hard-earned money to go watch you play a ball, ball game. You know? A lot of us pay hard-earned money to go give our kids an opportunity to play baseball. You're getting paid a ton of money to go play a baseball game. And sometimes you don't do it very well. And sometimes you do it in a, in a, in a way where it's embarrassing. And... It's frustrating because we just want to win a championship. And we're being told all this stuff on a regular basis. And yeah, we're probably closer to it than a lot of other quote-unquote fans are. But we're fans. We're the diehards. We've been here for a majority of the time. Respect that. Respect where we come from. You know? I'm sure that there's something that you're very passionate about too. I hope it's baseball. Because you're the one who's going out there and playing every day. I'm not. I'm watching, I'm talking about it. So we need that mentality to change. You know, I understand that there's a lot of people that are trying to get a change and would like the fans to be on their side, but the best way to have that happen is perform, to perform well. You know? To not sit there like... I mean, I can go to so many different parts of the season, so many games in a season... You know, we and I and I, so many people go to Diaz as Edwin Diaz again, low hanging fruit. Okay, fine, Edwin Diaz. You know, he's blown a bunch of games. We get it. Well, why does he keep getting run out there every single time in a, in a safe situation? It's not that he says, "Hey, coach, you know, this is the only place I can play." He's being told by Rojas to go out there because Rojas is being told. This is your closer. Hey, this is where you should put him in. This is what's happening. It's it's not it's not Edwin Diaz. And listen, Edwin Diaz, to be honest with you, he should have been sent down to the minors, you know, in 2019. But he's not, and they're not doing it. So who are you blaming there? And I keep on seeing it. And well, well, the last thing on this. 
I keep on seeing people with the Conforto stuff. Like, oh, you got to re-sign Conforto. That's it. For what? Because he hit a home run the other day? Because he gets a base hit? Guy's still batting 220. And again, he's not as bad as this season, but he ain't as great as last season. In the 60-game season. You know, people are like, oh, this is just, this is not Michael Conforto. Yeah, well, neither was last year's 60 games. I mean, if, if you're going to tell me that Conforto, what he did last year, was really who he is, then you're going to tell me that Edwin Diaz was the same person too because look at those numbers last year. Not a lot of save opportunities, but look at the numbers last year. His ERA was fantastic. Okay? His numbers were great. So please don't sit there and tell me that... Um, please don't sit there and tell me that that you're going to dive into the Conforto stuff. And buy into that, and then tell me that we have to suffer through more years of Conforto because I'm over it. Like I'm just after a while, you got to cut bait. You have Conforto, you have um, McNeil, you had Davis. I don't want to throw McCann in there because he's new, but he's he can go he can go too. I know people love Nimmo. That's fine. You can keep Nimmo around, but he's not like the everyday guy. He could play 120, 140 games maybe. 120, 240, that's fine. But he's not starting center field every every day for you. He's just not. Like, there are, like, I don't think you guys realize. I know that you like the core. You'll want to see your guys, your homegrown guys. I get it. I know that feeling. But I also want to win a freaking World Series. I want to have a championship eventually again. You know, I, I, 94 was a long time ago for me with the Rangers. In 86, I was four. I don't remember that. I want to see a celebration. I want to help. I want to be part of the celebration for one of my teams, you know? And to do that, you need to basically rip this team to shreds. I talked to somebody who's a big Mets fan. He said, DeGrom, Lindor, clearly because of the contract, and Alonzo. Everyone else can go. And I agree. Everyone else can go. And I have no problem starting from scratch on the entire thing. And if you tell me that, um, you know, I'm trying to think of guys like, listen, I, I, I like Strowman. I'm fine with Strowman. I kind of want to see what, what Thor has in him. Um, but unfortunately, it's just, it's just not, is it worth waiting again? I'm done waiting. Build a good, complete roster. All right, enough of the Mets Yankee stuff. <clears throat> Again, I can't get too excited. I can't. I just can't. I can't get in there. It's ten two win. It was a terribly played game. Oh, ten three win. Sorry, it was a terribly played game by the Yankees. They looked so awful. It almost took away from the excitement of the, the Mets winning a game and getting back to five hundred. <sighs> All right, so let's get to it. Julian Arosa. Uh, thank you for, for dealing with those two rants. Uh, but Julian Arosa gave me some really good time, so let's get to him right now. Julian Arosa uh, joins us right now on The Fight Fan. This is The Fight Fan with your host, Pete Hoffman, and joining us right now, a vet of the UFC these days, Julian Arosa, just coming off a huge victory this past weekend. Julian, welcome to the show. How you feeling, man? Oh, man. Thanks for having me on, first of all. But, uh, you know, it's great to be on, uh, especially after a win like that. You know, um, 
kind of letting letting it sink in the last couple of days. But uh, you know, <clears throat> it feels great to uh, kind of continue the journey and uh, and get a win over a guy like Charles Jordan. You know, this is the second week in a row now that I've had a guest on who fought after losing someone very close to them. Uh, I know that you had a heavy heart going into the cage uh, for you losing your teammate, Kyle. And, and if you could just speak to that for a little bit, you know, how was it that fight week going into to Saturday's fight? <laughs> yeah, you got to like, you know, you got to separate things and uh, you got to understand that uh, these things happen in life. You know, people lose uh, loved ones all the time. Um, although it was unexpected, Kyle's 30 years old, uh, young, healthy fighter and, was kind of out of nowhere. So um, that can, I think that's what really, you know, takes the most toll is it being so unexpected. Like, you know, people die all the time and uh, you kind of, you know, as you get older, you see it more and you get used to it a little bit more, but it's hard to get used to it when it's somebody that's, you know, so young, healthy and full of life. I mean, Kyle tore his bicep, you know, a few weeks back and the next day was holding pads for Trevin Jones that was getting ready for his UFC fight. So it's like, you know, that, and that's kind of that just kind of speaks to, you know, how much of a good uh, teammate Kyle was. You know, he had a torn bicep and his boys got to go fight, you know, that next weekend. So he's holding pads for him with a torn bicep. And I seen him that day and I was like, yo, Kyle, what's up? How you doing, bro? And, you know, it had been a little bit since I'd seen him. And he's like, oh, it's all good. Everything's going good. man. Oh, I tore my bicep. And I'm like, well, how is everything all good if you just tore your bicep? But. You know, that's just kind of the, the the happy-go-lucky spirit that he was. And so um, that makes it more difficult even because he was just such a good dude and, uh, and and such a good teammate. And I know it's not the same because, you know, it's different in someone's life. And then, you know, you're going in the cage and you're fighting and you're putting on a performance and, you know, you're trying to, to, to stay focused and whatnot. But on, on top of that, like, you know, you go into this fight and, again, you're, you're the underdog in this fight. You know, the, it, how is that uh, for you going into a fight where you know that, quote-unquote, the odds are against you? Does that add more motivation for you to put on a performance like the way you did? I think, uh, honestly, it, um, it helps ease the uh, the stress and the, uh, the pressure on it because, uh, you know, when I fought Choi, you know, before this fight, it was like I was coming off two wins. People were really starting to see me uh, uh, for who I was and the skills that I had. And so it kind of put more stress on me because people, you know, expected me to do good because I had done so well the last two, the, the two previous fights before Troy. And so after losing against Troy, it was like uh, kind of a little bit of a weight off the shoulder for this Charles Jordan fight. And I took a short notice, you know, took a 10 days notice, you know, made the weight, showed up and fought my ass off. And um, uh, I think it helped that it was short notice and, and that I was coming off of a loss because it took that pressure on having to perform. I didn't, you know, I didn't, and I didn't even need to even have to take this fight too. So it was kind of a spontaneous thing um, uh, of taking the fight too. So there was really no expectation um, for me in my mind. I just wanted to go out there and fight. And so, uh, and so for me, just stepping in the cage and just trying to see everything and just uh, and just kind of roll with the punches uh, is all I was really looking to do. And and obviously, once you start feeling yourself in a fight and understanding and and feel like things are going away, then uh, then you can really exploit those things and, and make the fight go good for you. You know, Julian, this is not the first time, too, that you've taken a short-notice fight. Um, you know, you've had uh, some bad experiences taking short-notice fights before, too. Did you feel a, a threat this way, too? Did you feel nervous taking something short-notice again, too? Or really, 
you kind of take that as more of a challenge. I mean, I, I you know, I say this in all sincerity. You're a vet of the sport. You've only been in UFC since 2018. I mean, you've had the show, the, the Ultimate Fighter, but for three years, I mean, that that's a that's an impact that you've had in the past three years in the UFC. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I, I enjoy taking short notice fights because it's a little bit of uh, you're kind of unassuming in the sense of um, you know people think, oh, he's taking a short notice. You know, he might not be in as good shape. Um, he might not have been training as hard, but uh, that's what I really like because I or because I have been, I have been training hard. My cardio is good, um, and I'm in really good shape a year round. So um, I, I like it in the sense that it kind of throws my opponents off that they might think that I'm possibly showing up out of shape or uh, whatever the situation is. But um, it kind of uh, it kind of underrepresents my abilities. Um, you know, uh, I train year round. I'm in shape year round. Uh, there's a lot of guys that go and fight and then, you know, take a month off and I never take time off. Uh, and so I actually enjoy taking those short notice fights because it kind of throws my opponents off. And obviously it throws them off in the sense, uh, you know, they have a new opponent and or they have somebody that they weren't necessarily expecting. But I also like it because it kind of, you know, like I said, there's no expectation, you know, taking a short notice and you just, I just want to go out there and fight in a, and, and I feel like I perform the best when I just kind of let all the extra variables fall to the wayside and then go in there and just fight. How was it for you? Because the Apex had some people in it, uh, you know, and it starts slowly starting to build up again. And we've seen the pay-per-view events sell out, look amazing. Um, how was it for you to get back in the cage and to actually have fans back? Did it did it add more to your to your performance too? Because again, like it, the, the night was fantastic. It was a great night of fights. Your fight definitely stands out as well. But give me your experience walking into that cage. Yeah, you know, uh, I've, I've, you know, my my last handful of fights have been at the apex, and so I'm kind of used to that. And you know, being on the Ultimate Fighter, doing the contenders fight as well, uh, it was in a similar uh, uh, situation where um, there wasn't very many fans, and even uh, on Saturday, even though there wasn't a little bit of fans, it wasn't like a lot of fans. So it was still kind of that similar uh, feeling that I got from, you know, fighting previously at the Apex. And so I felt like that was a little bit of an advantage as well, too, because uh, uh, I think with the Ultimate Fighter contenders in my last four fights, I mean, that's like nine nine times I fought in that kind of scenario. So um, I think it gives me a little bit of an edge, but uh, it was nice to see it like, uh, you know, a few handfuls of people sitting and watching the fights as an audience. I know. And, Looking into the audience, I recognized a lot of faces because a lot of those faces are are UFC fighters from Vegas. So uh, I I recognized a handful. You know, I would be looking in the in the crowd and see guys that uh, I've trained with or that I I know on a personal basis because we both fight in the UFC or that they train here in Las Vegas as well. And so um, it kind of pumps you up a little bit more too. You want to go out and perform in front of these guys because uh, they know you know how I am in the gym and I just want to be able to. Perform in the cage like I do in the gym so it gives me a, a little bit more of uh, of motivation to, uh, to perform in there like I do in the gym as well I hear the little dog in the background what, what type of what type of dog do you have uh, I got a little Maltese poodle mix and she's crazy she's just, uh, <laughs> she, she always wants to be on my lap she wants to uh, how old grab, is she uh, she's four years old almost, or uh, she's almost four years old and uh, she's a daddy's girl, so she just uh, uh, wherever I'm at, she wants to be. Uh, and she like if I'm on the phone with somebody, 
she starts barking for no reason. She wants to play with her. And You're not giving like, her attention, dude. Oh, I know. She, <laughs> I guess, she's a spoiled little girl. But uh, and I have a, I'm, uh, I'm a softie, so uh, I spoil her more than I probably should. But she gets plenty of attention. Do they ever calm down? I I just have I, – my, my wife convinced me to get a – for, it was her birthday coming up, so I got her a dog. She asked for a dog. It was birthday Valentine's Day, so it's like I really, you really just got to buy in at that point in time. No, no choice. I, I had to do it. Um, we got a little uh, mini schnauzer. She's about seven months old now, and, and it's yeah. like she's still crazier. Like, how do you get them to just chill? You know, I think it's a small dog syndrome thing. I just uh, they're like a little Energizer bunnies, <laughs> you know, they just keep going and going. I think it's just more, you know, I think it just. It subsides over time, you know. I, I'm just waiting for her to be, you know, six, seven, eight, nine years old and really calm down a little bit. Um, I think honestly, too, it's uh, you know, you gotta socialize them. Uh, uh, with her, it's difficult because we only have her, and uh, we take her to daycare, you know, every other week and try to get her that little bit of uh, socializing with other dogs. But um, we really want to get another dog so she can have that, you know, kind of companion. Uh, uh, on a regular basis and, and maybe they can kind of run each other uh, to where they're not, you know, they, they burn some energy off, but she's home, you know, by herself, you know, a decent amount of time during the day. I'm in and out all the time. So every time she sees me, she just wants to, you know, just, uh, just run it out with all our energy. But um, we take her out quite a bit and I try to take her, you know, around with me if I do errands and stuff as well. But I think you just got to keep them tired. If you just keep doing activities with them, take them to the grocery store, take them to the, the, uh, run the little errands. Um, it, it definitely pulls a little bit of energy from them. Have you always been a dog owner, or is this a, a new thing for you? My family's always had dogs, uh, but this is me and my wife's first dog uh, uh, together. And so, uh, but yeah, you know, I love dogs, and uh, I've always loved dogs, and and I could see myself having more dogs. We live in an apartment, so having just one little small dog's okay. Uh, it's, but, you know, I, I want to wait till we have uh, more dogs until I have a little bit of land for them to run around and, and do their thing. No, I, I get it. I get it. We we don't have a big house. We we live in East Chester. We live in New York. We, we live in a very nice area, but it's just the, 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 the property is expensive, but the houses are just tiny. It's just one of those things. But so we have her running around. It's like one dog is enough. I also have kids running around too. So the kids and the dog is it's, it's too much already as it is. Um, again, being joined by Julian Arosa. Uh, thanks for being such a good sport about that too, man. I listen. I like to I like to know things about you guys. Like that's what it is. Like you guys, dude. I am a fan of the sport, and it's not just about looking at you guys and seeing how you perform in the cage. I, I do want to know what goes on outside. What's motivating you every time you step in the cage? What motivates you to get and practice and train? I want to know that stuff, and I think that's something that's healthy for people that don't understand the sport, that think it's just a barbaric sport. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's like uh, just like anything else. We're just human beings doing our job, you know, people. And that's one thing that always, like, I always try to separate. It's like, like people, like, especially like my friends and family around me that don't train, that don't fight. Uh, you know, I got a fight coming up. It's like a huge event. I'm like, no, it's like, it's my job. Like, this is what I do. I want everybody to like treat it. Like it's my job. Like, obviously I fight on you in the UFC on ESPN. It's kind of a big right. deal, but at the same time, I want you guys just to think that it's my job. You know, I don't, you know, I don't want I don't I don't go to other people's jobs and be like, oh my God, this is such a huge deal, you know. And and I get it. I understand that what we do is 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 different and it's specific. But uh, 
and it's exciting, but at the same time, I want I want to keep it as I mean, for a lack of a better term, just dumbed down. You know, I want people just to uh, I don't need people to come all the way to Vegas to come celebrate my win or come to Vegas and and hang out with me because I fight. You know, I fight because I do it for a living. This is what I enjoy doing. Um, we can celebrate and enjoy time when I come home or, you know, these kind of things. I don't need people to go out of their way to watch me fight. And I know they're going to do that anyways, but uh, like sometimes it feels like uh, uh, people make such a big deal out of it it can add more pressure to you who is the biggest promoter that you know personally like is it is it your wife is it someone is your is it someone in your family um you know my mom usually you know obviously you know you know being my mom's son she you know is so proud of you know what i've done uh and where i've come from uh you know from fighting and just you know you know the years and years of grinding you know these local regional shows and being in and out of the UFC and doing the ultimate fighter and stuff. She, you know, really likes to promote, you know, how proud she is of me. And so I think it's just more of that. It's not like, um, she's not promoting me to like brag, uh, per se. She's, you know, she's bragging cause I'm her son, but she just is bragging about how proud she is of me. And so, uh, uh, I really, I enjoy that. And, uh, and, and, and that's the kind of stuff that I like. Um, I'm not a huge fan of people like, oh yeah, I know Julian Arosa and he fights for the UFC. It's like, <laughs> I don't want you to be proud to be my, you know, my friend because I fight for the UFC. I want you to be proud to be my friend just because I'm, I'm who I am, you know? Right. So I try to separate those things. And, um, but I would say, yeah, my, you know, obviously my mom's a, a big promoter of me, but it's just because she's proud. Well, that's, that's awesome. That's a, I mean, that means you're a good person too, because I mean, the fact that you're, you make your parents proud. You make your your wife proud. You make your friends, and family, everything like that, dude. Like it's, I understand that too. Like I mean, we're different industries. I work in radio, sports talk radio. I talk about sports all freaking day long. That's what we do. We talk about like baseball, basketball, and NFL, whatever it is. It's it's all that stuff. But like I've been getting more opportunities. I've been like it's the number one. It, and I'm not t- patting myself on the back either. It's, I work for the number one sports talk radio station in the country. It just is what it is. This is what what I've known. This is this is who I'm part of. It's amazing to be here. And I did like a morning show the other day. Uh, first time I've done the morning show. It's like it's that like UFC level of like you know main eventing on a UFC or whatever it is. It's got to be that that type of feel. So it's it was awesome. But I'm like sitting there like being humble. Like I don't want to talk about it. I'm not going to really promote it that much. I'll let people know, but I'm not going to talk about it constantly. And yet that's all that's being spoken about to me. So it's like it's one of those things where. Where like you just happen to be in the UFC, right? You're, like you could have been in another promotion, but you're well, in I've the been, UFC. I've been and I've been in other promotions right. for a long period of time, and uh, you know it, it's funny how when people come out the woodwork that never said a, a word about me when I was fighting on these regional shows, working my ass off, and then uh, now that I'm in the UFC, they're like, "Oh my God, I've known Julian since <laughs> we were in elementary school," and I'm like. Yeah, we knew each other in elementary school, but I haven't talked to you for fucking seven years. What are you talking about? Or I haven't talked to you in twelve years. Like only because I'm fighting in the UFC, you want to, you know, you want to talk to me. But it's like, like just like I said before, it's just my job. You know, people don't see all the hours and effort that we're putting in outside the UFC. Uh, they only see what happens on TV, and and so you're only as good as your last win. Um, and and that's why you know a lot of us fighters keep our our, our circles pretty small because. Um, only the ones who truly see us in and out of the gym really understand um, what we do on a regular basis. And so uh, it, it's easy to get blinded by some of the people that want to, like all the yes men that come around, you know, when you're, when you're doing good. Um, 
But after my last fight with Cho- the fight before this with Choi, it was like, you know, it, it sucks, but all the people that are close to my circle understand that this is a this is a win lose game. You know, there's no third place, fourth place. It's first or it's you know your first or last, and so huh. um, so uh, it's always uh, important to keep the people that really know what's going on in your circle. You know, you mentioned something that you know just people know you from TV and they see what you how you perform from the TV, but you know you were on one of the biggest seasons of The Ultimate Fighter. Conor right. McGregor and Uriah Faber, um, you know that that season. I mean, I literally dissected that season every single episode. I mean, it's it's tough to do that too because you got so much going on. But that one, I was so locked in on. Tell me your experience about seeing you know Conor McGregor so close, so in person. You know, the, you had the whole Cody Garbrandt stuff, the T.J. Dillashaw stuff was was all there. Give me your perspective of all that went on during that season. Yeah, man, I was just, I was young, you know, kind of naive, you know, you know, ig- ignorant to the fact of like understanding like the UFC and, and, and what was kind of going on. I was just happy to be there. You know, I was, I was so just like, you know, wide eyed, just happy to, 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 par- to participate, to, he had, to even have been on the ultimate fighter. And, and then I started doing really well. And, uh, and then I started understanding that I was, you know, cause when you find on the regional shows, you just really don't know where you stack up with some of these better guys. And so fighting uh, on the ultimate fighter and doing well, you know, helped me understand that I do stack up pretty well and I could be in the UFC and uh, even training with, you know, favor and his team. Cause we were on the American side. So I got uh, the, the, the coaches that I got to train with were the ones from alpha male. And so, um, but training with them, even like I, you know, I was, I was, I was holding my own and I was like, wow, I can hold my own grappling against Uriah favor. Who's a, a veteran of the sport and a, you know, just, uh, basically a hall of famer of the UFC and the WC. It's like, I was like surprised that I could do that. And I was like, Holy shit. I, maybe I deserve to be here. Maybe I have what it takes to be in the UFC. And so that was, a uh, a, a big eye opener for me. Um, but yeah, it was just like all the, all the little variables and the, and the things that happened on in the, uh, in the season were, you know, was fun to, uh, experience as well. You know, the Cody Garbrandt pushed, uh, Cody or, uh, Conor McGregor, when they were all sitting there, it's funny. If you look behind that, com- all that commotion, I had just made weight. And so I'm eating like a, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I'm drinking something like, and I, I look like I don't want nothing to do with anything that's going on. I just made weight and focus on fighting the next day. And I'm not even like, I'm like, I just look like confused, dazed and confused about what's going on. I had no idea what was going on. I was just trying to eat and drink. And then the funny thing about it is on that season. And I don't know if they always do this, but, um, me and my opponent weighed in, and uh, and then it was our training session time. But since I was fighting the next day, I wasn't training. So they just sent me back after that whole big commotion, and it was just all the European dudes and me. It was the only <laughs> American guy going back to the house with all the European. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. As we turn the corner into the new year, a lot of people are looking to get healthier. That includes Hero Bread who have just launched their new recipe using heart-healthy olive oil. Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. All with no compromise on the taste, texture, and bready goodness you expect from your favorites. Now they're listening to their fans and updating their recipe with olive oil, an antioxidant-rich oil that's been shown to reduce cholesterol and minimize the risk of heart disease. Try it today with code HERO10 for 10% off your purchase at HERO.CO. That's code H-E-R-O-10 for 10% off at HERO.CO. Oh, no. The whole commotion happened, and obviously, you know, even though it was kind of between the coaches, all the guys were kind of like in the mix too. So it's like, even after that, there was a little bit of tension between just the competitors on the Americans and the European side. And so they bust me back in my own, but my separate in a separate bus on with the American, with the American bus, but it was just me because they were all training. And then the Europeans came back with me in their own bus. And then we get to the house and I'm just kind of walking around on eggshells and I just made <laughs> way. I'm just trying to, rehydrate and hang out and and uh you know and, and they're all a little bit uh riled up i'm just like man i hope these guys don't fucking just try to rip my head off you know <laughs> to take, the, take their anger out on me but it was okay you know and we were all pretty respectable uh on both sides of the house but uh yeah that was a uh, it was a bit entertaining to deal with that kind of stuff uh inside the house and, and people don't realize those other little things that happen like where they bust me back with all the Europeans right after that. Did you? It's fun. Did you? Were you shocked at all when you uh, saw the 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 uh, Khabib ally Kinta fight and Conor McGregor show up and Artem Lobov, who was on the fight card originally, and all and and everything that took place with Conor throwing the chairs through the windows of the bus and everything like that. Not the chair, but the the turnstile or whatever it was. You know, knowing being so close to basically everybody in Conor McGregor's crew, did did that shock you at all at that time? Did you see that possibly happening in the future down the road? You know, obviously, specifically not that exact 
situation happening. But, uh, yeah, you know, uh, Connor is an emotional guy and, uh, uh, you know, and he's also super confident too. People take his confidence and his emotion mm-hmm. for cockiness and this kind of thing. But the guy really knows what he's doing. Um, and he just believes in himself. And since he believes in himself so much, you know, that brings emotion into it as well. And so, um, I could see, you know, you know, obviously he, at that time he was kind of still becoming who he is. And, uh, uh, yeah, he was just, uh, uh he seemed kind of arrogant and he seemed like over the top a little bit, but I think that's just cause that's how he was just so confident. And, um, uh, oh, I definitely knew that there were things that, especially after the, the show, you know, him talking shit about TJ and then, uh, getting into it with Cody and, and kind of all the coaches from the, uh, the paper side, I, I just knew, you know, he was, he's always just seems like a time bomb ready to explode. So, um, cause he's never really exploding. He's always just kind of like, you know, saying this and doing this little things, but, um, uh, but it's always constant. So I always felt like he would just never do anything super big, but just always constantly be picking at people. And then, uh, obviously then that situation happened. It was like, uh, and then you see these other things, like you punch that old guy at the bar. And, yeah. Um, you know, you got these other things that he's done and I think he just, uh, has a hard time containing his emotions sometimes, but you know, it's passion, you know, he has passion for what he does and he believes in himself. And, and sometimes, uh, when you have that kind of passion and, and that belief in yourself, uh, you can be off the hinges a little bit. I think that's just what happened. But, but here's, here's my question, because again, like you talked about it earlier, you know, you're, you make sure that the people around you are, are, you know, you're, so, you're very selective because you don't want, you want to have that good energy and stuff like that. And I understand that you do need to have a very positive group around you because you can't have people around you being negative because you're going into a, a cage of finding an opponent who's trying to, t- you know, trying to beat you, trying to take your head off, trying to submit you, all this, all this type of stuff. So you do need people in your corner that are set t- telling you that you can do this. You can beat this person. You can... But there's got to be a difference between the positive people and the people that allow you to to be chaotic and do whatever you want. Yeah, you know, then there's a fine line there too. Like, like I could tell you right now uh, that my coach is, you know, given anything. Like, if you know, my coaches and some of my teammates, you know, if at any at a drop of a hat, if somebody was in my face talking shit they would have no problem stepping up and doing something like without, without saying anything, you know? So like you got to have that type of loyalty, but at the same time, you got to have guys around you that are going to also steer you in the right direction. I'm a really non-confrontational person myself. So like if I see one of my friends or teammates or coaches or whatever, getting into it with somebody, I'm going to try to be the voice of reason. And I know they would too, you know, but also at the same token, if something was out of hand and they needed to just jump in there and do the damn thing, like, they would, you know, at the drop of a hat. They're not going to say anything. They're not going to, uh, you know, there's no, they, you know, once it gets past the point of voice of reason, those guys are going to be ride or die for me. So, like, I think it might be similar with him, you know, like, even though, uh, you know, he, I think Artem called him and was like, yo, Khabib, you know, was kind of trying to punk me or whatever. Yeah. He, he said, he said, fuck voice of reason. I'm just going to go there and start getting <laughs> crazy. And that's what he did. And you got to respect that type of loyalty. But at the same time, you got to have people around you at the same time that are telling you, hey, man, maybe this is not the smartest thing to do. Chill out. Let's just fucking, you know, regroup and figure this out. So, I mean, you know, it's 
it's it, there is a fine line between there, but you gotta uh, you gotta do you gotta do what's you know smart for both people. You know, I you know not for the I, but you bring up a very interesting point with the whole you know obviously you're there you're gonna protect your boy people that are, that are on your side you're, they're loyal and that's all fair especially when you're talking about other fighters that you know that are getting in your in your face and there to protect you too just especially if you have a fight coming up and you can't get involved whatever the case is. What about when you're out on the street, out at a bar, out of out wherever you are, and someone tries to pick a fight? Because it has happened often enough, and I've seen. I forgot who the video was of someone decking somebody at, at a bar not too long ago and saying something inappropriate. In a for- was it Mike Perry? Mike Perry did it, but it was another fighter. Like he was at a bar, and the guy got in his face for like a quick second, and the guy just laid him out. And I forget who it was. Joe Schilling. Joe Schilling. Yeah, ex- exactly, and I know Schilling has a lot of respect in the community. And watching yeah. that video, I was kind of shocked to see that. But then I guess there was a backstory behind it too. But at what point in time? Because you you are like a legitimate weapon. You 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 know that is something that you are. I can't do that. I could try to fake a punch. I could try to throw a punch. I mean, I got weight behind me, but that doesn't mean I'm a really good striker or whatever. You guys are actual weapons. You know. I, like I said earlier, I'm so I'm super non-confrontational. Like I don't even like to have, I like my wife is the backbone. <laughs> like at banks or we're at like other places, and maybe someone's not doing their job correctly or they made a mistake. My wife, I'm the type to be like, oh, it's okay, no worries. My wife's the type to be like, no, like you're not doing your job right. You need to do it like that. You need we need help here. We need this or this. Um, so like even on the smallest level, I'm just non-confrontational. So I. I'm the type of dude that tries to stop people from uh, getting in physical altercations if we're at the bar or whatever. But honestly, I'm hardly ever at the bar. Right. Uh, you know, me and my wife will go out, but uh, a, a night out on the town for me and my wife, you know, the latest that we like to stay out is like, you know, 10 or 11 o'clock max, you know. And so um, we're never really putting ourselves in those types of situations. And I think that's the most important, you know. Um, thing is to uh just not put yourself in the situation because you don't have to don't have to worry about those kind of things so for me uh you know me and my wife just kind of have each other's back and and she also knows too she knows um if something's kind of getting like you know a little bit aggressive she she'll pull me back and be like hey we should get get out of here or we should you know she'll be the voice of reason for me as well so um but uh i'm not aggressive man I've, i've never really uh, been the type, especially in my fighting career or during my fighting career, to go out looking for, you know, fighting, to looking to fight somebody in a bar or whatever. I mean, we train every day, so it's like, uh, it's what I do for a living. It's not something I want to do when I go out. When I go out, I want to have a good time. There you go. Julian Arosa joining us. A couple more minutes. Uh, you know, you did have a great performance this past weekend, and you said that you, you walked out pretty healthy, right? Is there when when do you see yourself getting back in the cage? Will you look for another last minute fight, or do you actually want to have something scheduled? Uh, I told I talked to my manager the other night. We went out to dinner, and uh, me and Jason sat down and talked. And uh, I told them, "Hey, you know, I want to fight again before the year's up. We still have, you know, a little under four months, and, um, and that's still a long time. So, and uh, especially when you're healthy. So, I told them uh, I would like to have a fight before the year's up." Uh, but if something presents itself again um, uh, and it's a favorable matchup for me, uh, then I'm willing to take it. You know, I'm going to keep my keep my weight where it needs to be. I, I train, like I said, you know, kind of year round. I'm in good shape. And so uh, I want to be able to take short notice fights like that because um, I think the UFC appreciates guys that do that. 
and uh and they like to show them love you know and so for me uh you know there was a big incentive they gave me a new contract with ufc for, for to take that fight with jordan and that was a big incentive but at the same time i just like to fight and uh I think it takes a little bit of the load off as well, you know, a little bit of the stress. You short notice is no expectation for what, like how you should perform, you know, if you take a short notice. Um, and so uh, I'm hoping to fight probably in December, but if something, you know, if another short notice fight comes up, you know, I'm willing to take it as well. Why do fighters not like now b- besides money and taxes, which I do understand taxes are a bitch. But why do some fighters not like to fight in New York? Because I've, I've I've spoken to them. I try to promote that because I, I like my cards. I like my MSG cards. I like my, my Barclay Center cards. When you guys come through, I want that shit stacked. So if Julian Rose is fighting on that, I'm all in. Uh, why do some fighters not want to fight in New York? Man, honestly, I have no idea. Because uh, for, for me, I've, I'll fight anywhere, really. <laughs> but uh, I actually prefer to fight how it's been because my last four fights have been at the Apex. The reason why I prefer that over anything else right now is because I, it's in my backyard. I literally, and then this last fight was like so early. I literally fought about 1130 and I was back at my apartment about 130 watching <laughs> the main card still with my wife, you know, hanging out, watching the car, the rest of the card, and then we went out to dinner that night. So it's like, you know, obviously if you fight other places like New York or, and they have crowds and stuff, most of the time on those cards you fight and then you have to stay until the card's over before you can leave unless they're taking you to the hospital or something. So for me, um, I enjoy fighting here in Vegas because it's like a, uh, it's like a turn. Uh, 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 it's like a, um, it's like a factory where they're just like kind of bringing you <laughs> in, getting you, getting you fighting and then kick you out. So it's like a <laughs> conveyor belt, you know? So and I enjoy that. It's like, literally I was at the apex for like two hours and I did all my media. I fought, I warmed up, got my hands wrapped, did everything within like two, two and a half hours. and was back at my apartment watching, the rest of the card and, and uh, uh, it makes it convenient, you know, uh, for me, you know, I don't have to travel. I don't have to worry about my weight cut while I'm traveling. I can just do everything here. So I really enjoy doing it here. So I don't know specifically why people don't like to fight in New York, but for me, I like to fight here over anywhere else right now during the COVID. Scale. It's, it's interesting because um, your job, I mean, I do, I listen, I'm, I'm watching from the start of the, the prelims to the final car, the final fight, the main event, I'm, I'm locked in. So that's, Good six, seven hours. So you're saying like you can get into the apex and be done within two, two and a half hours. That's an incredible day. That's an incredible job. Yeah, it's it's amazing. You know, uh, when I fought Sean Woodson, I fought Nate Lamer, Troy, and then even this fight, it was the same thing. It was like they bring you in, uh, you fight, you, you do the media, you do your uh, post-fight physical you know, you sign some papers and they uh, they send you packing, and and, uh, and I like it like that because you're not hanging out, having to worry about it. I'm home, showered, watching the rest of the card, and then we go out to dinner and enjoy our night together. And uh, you know, it doesn't take the you know seven eight hours that normally you have to be there for. And so, yeah. Uh, and I don't know, you know, obviously I know there's different types of protocols for New York because uh, you know they're more they're they're newer to the uh, allowing fights over there, so. I don't know if it's more strict over there, and and that's why people maybe don't want to fight. We are a pain in the ass. That's what I've heard. I've heard some people say that we're very strict, which I don't know because I'm only in New York, but I've heard that we're very strict, which sucks. Yeah, so maybe that's probably what it is, honestly. But, yeah, here in Vegas, um, it's just – it's nice. You're like – you know, it's like a conveyor belt. They 
they bring you in, you fight, they do the media, and they kick you out. And uh, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, I, I prefer it that way. Are you going to be locked in on this weekend's Evander Holyfield versus uh, Vitor Belfort? And I think, was it Anderson Silva versus, who's Anderson Silva fighting? Is it is it Tito Ortiz? Oh, man, I'm not even sure. I know. I think it's Tito. That's crazy, man. I really don't even, you know, some of these boxing matches, like boxing now is kind of becoming WWE in a sense. And uh, it's kind of just like so overrated and, and uh, you get these guys, these old guys fighting now. It's like a mixture between Bellator and WWE, and it's like it's almost kind of sad, you know. It's like, like it's like falling apart. So they need to have these like cartoonish type of boxing matches. Yeah. Um, obviously, people, you know, you want to pay attention a little bit. You know, Anderson Silva was a great. So it's you know, I'm gonna want to know what the results are and, and kind of watch some of the the highlights. But honestly, I really don't pay attention too much to that kind of stuff. But you're locked. But you're locked into the UFC on a regular basis. If you're watching, obviously you have so many teammates anyway, so they're fighting all the time. But but you're locked in on the on the normal week to week. Yeah, yeah. You know, we have uh, uh, especially being managed by Iridium Sports Agency. I mean, they manage like like forty or fifty UFC guys. So they, they always and probably even more net now. Holy shit, they got so many guys. Even on contenders tonight, they have like four guys, and I think contenders has like five fights. So like. The, like almost every single fight is one of the, the guys that's managed by the same group that I'm managed by. So it's like, it's always nice to watch and see how they're doing and uh, kind of follow other people's careers that, uh, you know, can be similar to mine. So it's always, uh, it's always nice to watch that kind of stuff. Julian Rosa, I, I honestly, I appreciate you. I've been, I've been a fan of yours for a while. Uh, I'm very happy to actually have the time to speak to you. This is amazing. Can you give me anything that you want to promote before we head out of here? Oh, no, no, nothing necessarily. Obviously, like if you want to reach me on Instagram, uh, Julian underscore Rosa uh, is the best way to get a hold of me. Julian, I appreciate it. Looking forward to when you fight next. If it's New York, I'm not going to complain. So I, I, I definitely take that. But again, appreciate it. Good luck. Best of luck. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you so much, brother. Have a good one. Again, like I said, Julian Rosa, you know, that was awesome just to hear. You know, the guy's done so much. And it, you know, I, I, it, it was cool just to dive into some other stuff with him too. Like, you know, like I, I don't know about you guys, but after a while, like, you know, you talk to say the same things over and over, you hear the same different type of things, but I, I, <clears throat> I want to know different things. I wish I want to get into different stories and stuff like that. And that's what it is. It's just like, it should be loose. It should be lax. It should be whatever. Um, so Julian was the man. Uh, I appreciate the time for him from him. Uh, I will be hopefully back next week. Back in the studio with Moose and Maggie Monday through Friday, and uh, hopefully have some guests lined up for you. And you know, and then we'll get the UFC back on Saturday. But uh, for now, I'm signing off. Thank you for listening to the rant. Listen, bless everybody, um, especially on this with 20th anniversary 9/11. Uh, may everyone be you know as best as they possibly can be during these you know emotional times, emotional memories, and you know. If you need somebody, there's always somebody there. That's so just remember that. Um, <clears throat> you can always tweet at me too if you want to and just bother me. And I'm always there too. Uh, at the Hoff WFAN, at the Fight Fan WFAN on uh, Twitter, at the Fight Fan with Pete Hoffman, everywhere else on all the social medias Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, WFAN.com, and the Odyssey app. I will see you guys hopefully Monday. Hopefully, I'm feeling better. 
And uh, if not, um, you can definitely find me next week when I put out another podcast next Friday on the podcast. Just be not. at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 